Please, this evening to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter number 3. And let's pray together this evening. Our Father, we're thankful for this book. We are indebted to the Jewish people and your plan for them and their rejection of you in ways we do not yet fully appreciate. And we are thankful for this very dark period in their life. And Father, we are confident on the basis of what you teach us in your word that there will come a day when we will be able to look properly at our own sufferings and value them and esteem them correctly. So we pray that you would help us, that you would serve your word to us for our benefit and your glory this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've, this is now our third week in this book of Lamentations, which is written at a very notable, distinctive time in Jewish history after years of warnings and years of constant rebellion, God has brought his predicted judgment upon the land of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. And it is devastating. We will talk a little bit more about this a little bit later in the book. But there is a day of the Lord quality to it. It is widespread destruction geographically it reaches to every part of Jewish life personally economically culturally politically religiously nothing is untouched it is complete devastation and lamentations then is the categorical the systematic expression of grief over what God has done And uh, there are, again, there are the five laments uh, to the book. Um, They are written in a similar format. Uh, They are, four of the chapters are alphabetical acrostics. Um, One, two, four, and five are each 22 verses long. The chapter that we're looking at this evening is 66 verses long. It is an alphabetic acrostic each letter of the alphabet used three times in succession. In each of the chapters, there is a bit of a different perspective. In chapter one, the perspective is on the city and the nation. In chapter two, the perspective is on the Lord and his wrath. And in chapter three, which is by far the most personal of the laments, the focus is upon Jeremiah and what he Suffers. In other words, this catastrophic devastation God visited upon the land includes very much personal suffering. And here is the testimony 
of a man who receives it. And what is really noteworthy about this, folks, is that if everybody in the land of Israel was as dedicated to the Lord as Jeremiah, there would have been no captivity. There would have been no destruction. This is a man who, in a very real sense, occupies the place of the truly innocent victim. He is is not one of the criminals who has brought these crimes upon the nation, but one of the very few voices of warning and admonition. The chapter itself, the 66 verses, can easily, with reference to its structure, if we were trying to outline the chapter, I would, I would outline it this way. Verses 1 through 18 are his personal lamentation. Verses 19 through 39 are his personal meditation. And verses 40 through 66 are his call to supplication, his call to the people to prayer. And again, if we were outlining the book and trying to put it to some structure, that would be a good skeleton upon which to build. Verses 1 through 18, 19 through 39, 40 through 66. But for all that, we're going to deal with it in two Wednesdays, and we're only going to go not quite a third, just a little bit more than a third of the way into the book. This evening, we will work through his personal lamentation and then give brief attention to the early part of his meditation. I think that will be a good stopping point, and then when we return in a couple of weeks, a good starting point. So let's turn our attention, first of all, to verses 1 through 18, Jeremiah's personal lamentation. And they are, we'll point this out as we read through them. They are organized, systematized, they are well thought out. But what we're reading, folks, in verses 118 through 18 is not what God has done to Israel, not what God has done to the nation, not what God has done to the community, but what God has done to Jeremiah. Chapter 3 and verse number 1. I am the man. I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. And at this point in in this first part, folks, in this first section, in his first series, in this section of personal lamentation, he talks about God very impersonally. He talks about God very, I don't want to say dispassionately, because I don't think that, but very impersonally. You, You have done these things. You've done this to me. This is what you've done to me. You've treated me this way. I'm the man that has experienced the affliction that is brought about by his anger. I I know firsthand what it is like to live in the wrath of God. And of course, this is systematic, organized poetry. If a reporter, if a modern day reporter were to stick their microphone in Jeremiah's face, the only question that we seem to be capable of asking anymore is, how does this make you feel? How does this make you feel? Well, it just so happens that Jeremiah is prepared to answer that question. And what follows is a long list of how he feels, what his experiences 
have been like. Verse, verse number two. He hath led me. <clears throat> he hath led me. And brought me into darkness, but not into light. How do you feel? I feel like God has brought me into a blackened room without a light switch. He who is the light has brought me into darkness. I cannot see, and he is the reason. How do you feel? Verse number three, surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. All day long, God is against me. All day, how do you feel? I feel like God is out to get me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's how I feel. That is what I think. How do you feel? Verse number four, my flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. And again, folks, this is poetry. He's not laying in a hospital room filled with plaster casts. But he has brought me into darkness, and I just can't see. I, I just don't know what to say or how to, how to interpret this. I, I am at an absolute loss. But he's my enemy. He is out to get me, and I just feel like he is after me all the time. And, and he's turned me into an old, man, an old and broken man. My youth is gone. My vitality is gone. My energy is gone. How do you feel? Verse 5. He hath built it against me. Encompassed me with gall and travail. He has, he has put a wall around me and surrounded me with misery. That's how I feel. How do you feel? Verse number six. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. My life is a living cemetery. That's how I feel. His personal lamentation. This is Jeremiah's expression of his relationship or, or really God's relationship with him to this point. How do you feel? Verse number seven. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. I'm in a prison. I'm in a cemetery. I'm in a prison. I'm in a hospital. I'm in a blackened room. That's how I feel. That is the story of my life. Verse number eight, how do you feel? Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. I cannot get loud enough to get, to get heard. He doesn't listen. He has no interest in what I say. He blocks my prayers. He has unfriended me. He has unfriended me. How do you feel? Verse number nine, he hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He has given me an unsafe route to travel. Like walking on broken stones and a crooked path. That's how I feel. I mean, it's just, it's just misery upon misery, folks. I mean, it's just, it is the language of a poet describing the depths of his own personal despair. And it just keeps going. He is far from done. How do you feel? Verse number 10. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait. And as lion in secret places, he hunted me like I was prey. He has blocked my prayers. He has put me in prison. He has put me in a hospital. He has put me in a cemetery. He hunts me like an animal. How do you feel? Verse 11. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me 
desolate. Every direction he has torn me. He has pulled me in every direction. I don't know what way to go. It doesn't matter what way to go because I'm in a black room and I can't see anything. And it doesn't matter what I say because he's not listening. And I'm broken and worn out. How do you feel? Verse number 12 and verse number 13. He hath bent his bow, set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. How do you feel? I'm target practice. That's how I feel. Have you ever felt like you were God's target practice? That's how Jeremiah feels. I mean, we can identify periodically with some of these things, right? We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We feel like God's not listening. We feel like God is out to get us. We feel like God is against us. We feel like we're exhausted. Common experiences, here they are. Jeremiah, Lamentations, chapter number 3. Verse number 14, how do you feel? I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. <clears throat> I was the object of ridicule. I was, I was what they sang about. And they sang, obviously, unflattering songs about Jeremiah. And they did that, folks. Remember the context. They did that because Jeremiah was faithful to deliver God's message. And having been faithful to deliver God's message, he is experiencing verses 1 through 18. This is his own testimony about his own situation. How do you feel? Verse number 15, <clears throat> he hath filled me with bitterness, he hath made me drunken with wormwood. I'm bitter. I'm sad, I'm old, I'm crushed, I'm broken, I'm bitter, I'm confused, I'm torn, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless. How do you feel? Verse 16, he hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones, he hath covered me with ashes, he has fed me with rocks, he has fed me with rocks and covered me with dirt. That's how I feel. That is how I feel. Jeremiah's personal lamentation. How do you feel? Verse number 17, folks, is the first personal reference to God to this point in the text. Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. I am so far from happiness. I am so far from contentment. I am so far from peace. I've forgotten what it is. To, I don't even know what it is to be happy anymore. I don't even know what it is to be happy anymore. Prosperous means more than just having money in the bank to him. I don't even, I don't even know what that is. It is so far removed, I don't even know what that is. And so, verse number 18, folks, Jeremiah reaches his conclusion. And I said, <clears throat> right, God did this, and 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 God did this. And I said, verse number 18, I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. I'm hopeless. Completely hopeless. God is no longer my strength. 
So this is where Jeremiah is. This is his personal lamentation. This is the first third of chapter 3. We might say that he is venting. I think that that's a little shallow and superficial to think of it that way, but Jeremiah certainly has let it all out, hasn't he? He has let it all out. God is my enemy. God is out to get me. God will not hear me. God has attacked me. He has ignored me. He has abused me. He has forgotten me. And I'm done. I'm just, I am completely and totally at wit's end. I am exhausted. And that brings us then, beginning in verse number 19, to the second major section in the chapter, and that is his personal meditation. Verses 19 and 20, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. At this point in time, Jeremiah stops talking about what God has done to him. Having reached, folks, what is, I think, arguably the low point in his life. My strength is gone. My hope is gone. I want to think about what I just said. Now, I want to take just a moment here and talk to us about a little bit of a technicality, if I can. Those of you that are holding a King James Bible in your hand, note that the beginning word is remembering. But those of you that are holding an ESV will note that the word is not remembering, but it is remember. And it is treated by some as a prayer that what Jeremiah is doing is asking God to repair, remit to asking God in prayer, remember my affliction, my misery, the wormwood, and the gall. Grammatically, it can be translated either way, folks. It's, it's not really a question of right or wrong. It's not that somebody is mistranslating the word. The word could go either way. I think, and I am no grammatical expert, but I think the context is supportive of the idea that remembering is the right way to look at it. Jeremiah is thinking. He is not just venting. He is not just laying out his long list of grievances. And it's a long list of grievances, folks. And again, I think that if we would be honest with ourselves, we would probably recognize that at some point in time in our own life, we have said something similar about the way God has been handling us. Maybe not all 17 of them at once, or 16 of them at once, but we have felt like we have been forgotten and abused and ignored and mistreated and attacked and and done injury by God. We have reached our wit's end. We have come to the conclusion that our hope is gone, that there is not much point in continuing on. But that is not the end of his story. And for unfortunately for many people, their life story, their Christian pilgrimage stops at verse number 18. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Finished. (laughs) 
But Jeremiah says, now I'm going to think about this. I'm remembering. And and he's talked about gall, right? He's talked about affliction. I am the man that has seen affliction. This is my testimony. God's affliction. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about where we are. I'm going to think about this low spot in my life. I want to remember the misery, the wormwood, the gall. I still remember them. And they bring me very low. This is not a high point, folks. I think I made mention of this last week. We have a song in our songbook. I'm not trying to bash it, but it's just a terrible song. (laughs) I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Ignoring Bible all the way, we might add, but no, that's not one of the lines of the song. But when Jeremiah thinks about his situation and he recalls all that he's experienced, He is not on the upward way. He is on the downward way. My soul is humbled. Then, and you really don't want to miss this, folks. At the end of verse 18, he said, my hope has perished. Perished, gone, evaporated, exhausted. I'm out of hope. Then I thought. Then I thought about this, and my hope came back. Verse number 20, 21. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. I'm thinking about this. I I got to the place and I said, my hope is gone. And then I thought. Then I thought about it. We don't want to just race through the verses. His hope was gone in verse 18. His hope is back in verse number 21. So the question becomes, folks, right? Right? Here's our homework assignment to be done on the fly, the way most good high school boys do their homework, at the last possible minute in the shortest amount of time. What is there in verses 1 through 18 that would bring you to hope? What, do you, what would you find there that would give you any hope? And I'm not trying to abuse you folks because if Jeremiah did not tell me why he had hope, I would not find any hope in verses 1 through 18. I cannot imagine going to the pulpit on a Christmas morning, Sunday Christmas morning, and going, I'm going to preach Lamentations 3, 1 through 18, a message of hope. When the conclusion is, my hope is gone, there is no hope. So here's the answer. Are you ready? Because the answer might surprise you. It's a very un-American kind of answer. The answer is verses 22 and 23. Here's my hope. Right? After again, and you just we gotta think of it the way Jeremiah's thinking, folks. All those all those things that God did to him in verse number 18, or verses 1 through 18. And he pulls no punches. You have done this, and 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 I ran out of hope. And then I thought, thought about it. And then my hope came back. Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. There you go. There it is. What's your hope? I'm alive. My hope. Not dead. There it is. I'm here. God let me live. I said it's not very American. It's not good enough for most of us. But it was good enough for Jeremiah. I'm alive. 
It is of the Lord. This is a mercy. Right? In the midst of all the misery, there is a mercy. We're not consumed. We're not gone. We're not eradicated. It may be just a remnant, but it is something. We're here. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Every morning, they are new. So there's the hope. The hope returns. You have to remember, folks, that the vast majority of Jews, not the, well, no, the vast majority of Jews died in this. This was not, this was not like America, World War II, where 400,000 Americans died, and that was a real tragedy. But a mathematical blip, I don't know what, you, some of you are really good at math, you could, you could tell, you could do the math pretty quickly, what 400,000 is relative to 160 million. But the vast majority of Jews died in the Babylonian invasion. There's just, <clears throat> people are carted off captive, there are a few that are left in the land, and there are just bodies everywhere. Death and destruction. <clears throat> we will get to this when we turn our attention to Lamentations chapter 4. <clears throat> But in Jeremiah 19, this is exactly what God predicted would happen. This was the word of the Lord to them. If you do not turn, if you do not put a stop to your rebellion and your idolatry, this is what I'm going to do to you. You will be reduced to eating your own offspring. And in Jeremiah chapter 4, Jeremiah says, they were eating their own offspring. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness. These are days in which the sunrise didn't bring beautiful scenery, but just more widespread devastation. So here it is, folks. It is a slim hope, and Jeremiah will, like believing people have always done, on the one hand, cling to it, and on the other hand, raise questions about it. Right? He is very much a human being, although he is a mighty prophet. But here is his hope. Not dead. There are still some of us left. I'm still alive. Great is thy faithfulness. Now that's the right way to think. And, and again, to... To, to us, in probably in a way that is more so to us than to the Jews. I mean, to the Jews, not that they didn't believe in an afterlife, but, you know, folks, the, the grave in Hades is, is kind of, when you, especially when you get into the poetic literature, that's the end. Right? You die and you go to the grave, and Jeremiah will ask the question, or no, I'm sorry, not Jeremiah, David, David will ask the question, what good am I to you dead? What value do I bring to you if I'm dead? I, I'm, I'm so, so to Jeremiah, this is a great, great conclusion. My hope came back when I realized that I was still alive. So there it is, folks, right? <clears throat> Again, not trying to ridicule the song. Really didn't even come with the song in mind. But 
It would be wonderful if Christianity really was gaining new heights every day and pressing on the upward way, but sometimes Christianity is very much like Jeremiah 3. A lot of personal setbacks that bring us to the brink doesn't mean that God is unfaithful, but we have to look at things his way. So I just wanted to, I want to stop there this evening. There's more to his personal meditation, and we will, we will turn our attention back to that when we return because we'll be able to work through the prayer portion fairly quickly because we'll, we still have two-thirds of the chapter to go. But his personal meditation, lamentate, personal med, or his, per, his personal lamentation, God is out to get me. His personal meditation. God is faithful. God is faithful because we live. And our hope is, as the choir recently sang, our hope is alive. We have a living hope. All right, I'm going to stop there this evening. If you want to take a